Gorbachev tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our guest segment. Uh, super excited to have her back with us. Nicole Wisen C. Egan, author of Chasing Cosby. Nicole, good to have you back with us, ma'am. Uh, thanks for having me back on. I understand you go by Nikki. Is that right? Yes, I do. I made the decision early on in my career to use Nicole as my byline. <laughs> okay, fair since, enough. But yes, I, 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 Nikki. <laughs> I just, you and I are like super close friends or anything, but I thought I should call you Nikki because every other interview I'm hearing, they're calling you Nikki as well. So I thought I would ask permission on that before I, I presumed. Um, I have to start by telling you, I heard you on, um, I heard you on the show with um, Jim Clemente. Uh, the podcast oh, real crime profile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, I've never heard him drop more F bombs in one episode <laughs> than I did. Uh, the, 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 and I, I was like, OMG, I have got to get, uh, Nikki on again, because this is unbelievable. And I went to law school for one year. So like I'm following everything that is happening and I'm like, there, this makes no sense there is no way Cosby could get out of prison on some type of a verbal agreement deal from years ago. There are no verbal agreement deals when it comes uh, to criminal court, especially things, you know, that are not even discussed in court. It's just like an out of court discussion. I, I knew there had to be something more to this. There is no way that he got out of prison because of that. But I listened to you uh, on Real Crime Profiles, and I've heard other interviews you've done, and that apparently is is what happened. Can you explain this to us? Well, I, I can't explain how they were able to do this since it wasn't based on the law, because that, of course, is the $64,000 question. There were so many things about this decision that didn't make any sense. So basically, at the um, outset, uh they were looking at two issues. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court agreed to, agreed to look at two issues for this case. One was the use of the so-called 404B witnesses, the five other women who testified and said Cosby did the same thing to them. And two was this alleged press release that was an immunity agreement claim that Bruce Castor made in 2000, you know, based on his um, 2005 press release saying he wasn't going to charge Cosby. And it was absurd, but... So 10 years later, when the case resurfaced again, um, Castor now claimed that that press release was an immunity agreement and that Cosby relied on that decision. And that's why he was so open and forthcoming in the civil uh, deposition for Andrea's case and that therefore those shouldn't have been used in um, against him at trial, the, the excerpts from the deposition. Now, here's the thing, though. There was a... a 
Like he testified for several hours on this issue in February 2016. He also claimed that he told his first assistant, Reese's Furman, about it and told her to tell Andrea's attorneys. Now, this is all back in 2005. And Risa has written emails to him that said that conversation never happened. And Andrea's lawyers got up in the stand and said that absolutely did not happen. So where's the corroboration for this? And even the judge was saying at this hearing, he said, Bruce, you know how immunity agreements work. It has to, they have to be in writing and they have to be signed off on by a judge, uh, upon which Castor starts saying he's the sovereign, and as the sovereign of Montgomery County, he had the authority to make this deal. And, you know, there are just so many reasons why it doesn't, it's just that I believe it's not true. Um, one is that in, in Andrea's settlement talks with Cosby, after he sat for four days of depositions, one of the agreements Cosby's attorneys wanted her to agree to was that she would not um, cooperate with law enforcement if they came to her about this case. So why would why why would they have needed that from her if they believed they had the, that Bill Cosby would never be prosecuted for this case? And second, if in fact that that were true, Risa Furman was the DA herself in 2015 who reopened this case. So why would she have done that if there had been this, you know, agreement not to prosecute Cosby? I think it's something that they came up with uh, after Cosby was um, arrested. And uh, just stuck with it since then. But the fact that the Pennsylvania Supreme Court bought it, I mean, the judge at that hearing I'm talking about found Castor not credible. And these appellate courts are not supposed to do evidentiary issues. They're supposed to. Right. They're not. They're, they're, not, they're, not, the they're not a trier of fact. They're they're only supposed to look at the law as it applies to the already decided facts of the lower courts. Right. And so they but so they actually remarked in their opinion that, you know, Castor was not consistent. He gave all these different stories about what this press release was, and they didn't buy that part of it. However, Cosby himself relied on that, and that's why he was so open during the deposition, and that's why it's such an egregious uh, violation of due process. You, he just shouldn't be even be tried a third time, because that's the other part of this. So that being said, say they somehow proved it, and you can't use these deposition statements. The remedy is not to say don't try him ever again. The remedy is you have to try him a third time, but without this evidence. So that was very unusual for them to take that additional step, and then also to order him freed immediately. Right. So, so normally, I mean, there were so many things about uh, yeah, this that it, were an, not an appellate court would remand the case back for for another trial. It would not say that's it. There cannot be uh, another trial. But they went that far. You're saying that they not only reversed the case, um, but they're not remanding it for trial. They're basically saying this cannot be retried. Is that right? Yes, they 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 specifically said they barred them from trying him for a third time. Wow. I mean, it's just incredible because, you know, Castro himself, so say it's true and he made that promise. He, a, he did not have the authority to make that promise. And B, if he did, in fact, make that promise, he's admitting he broke the law because the law in Pennsylvania is that immunity agreements have to be signed off on by judges. Not by the, you know, he was trying to use some common law terminology as the minister of justice. He was the sovereign and had the power to make this decision. And I remember the judge just looking at him. I was at that hearing like he was crazy because he kept going, Bruce, Bruce, you know how this works. Yeah. You write it, you know, you write, put it in writing, shove it in a drawer, you know, after the judge signs it off. But 
not this. And Risa was writing because Castor was sending her emails. Risa, don't you remember when I told you blah blah blah? And she she's like, Bruce, I have no idea what you're talking about. Where's where's this in writing? You know, I know what a meticulous record record keeper you are. She wrote. So where is where is right. this in writing? He goes, and he's like, it's the press release. Yeah, and there's something something fishy going. Yeah, something fishy going on with this. I want to make sure though that people yeah. people are following what you're saying. So 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 when Bill Cosby was at the same time being charged with crimes, he was also being sued civilly. So a civil case is well, when they're pursuing for money, but then there are criminal cases. So so what they were basically doing was was sort of giving him, I guess, the thought that, look, uh, verbally, look, we're going to tell you we're not going to try you criminally so you can not plead the Fifth Amendment in the civil uh, case. So then he went into the civil case and was very forthright. Now the argument is, well, he wouldn't have been as forthright if he knew that he could have still faced uh, criminal charges. But n- nobody gets that. Nobody gets like a wink and a nod that, hey, if you're being sued, then don't worry because you'll never be criminally charged. Nobody gets that. You just have to decide do you want to take a default judgment and not not testify in your civil lawsuit or you get a judge to delay a civil lawsuit until after a criminal trial. Those are really the only two choices that I know of. Well, and, and, and um, let me uh, correct one thing. Uh, simply that, you know, Bruce Castor made this issued this press release on February 17th, 2005. There was no civil lawsuit at that point yet. Andrea's reason for coming to the police in the first place was because she wanted him prosecuted criminally. She was terrified and been having nightmares all year that he was going to do this to someone else mm. and that it was her fault, you know, and that, and she was having nightmares about someone was sexually being sexually assaulted in front of her and it was her fault because she hadn't gone to the police. Wow. She only decided to file the lawsuit after Castor said he wasn't going to charge Cosby. And and so, and that's another thing, though. Like prosecutors don't do this. Prosecutors don't say, "Hey, go file a civil suit." Okay, that's better for you than this criminal thing because right. we don't have the evidence. Right. And and the other thing is that he did have that, but there were fourteen women total accusing Cosby by that point. Um, he kept claiming the the phone. Um, Andrea's mother had taped a phone call she had with Cosby, in which he offered Andrea financial compensation, and she didn't take him up on it. And Castor kept calling them illegal wiretaps. And I found documents that showed that Risa Furman, he had Risa researched that for him in January 2005. And she came to him and said, Bruce, these these phone calls, it's illegal. It's a one-party consent state. It was in, you know, Canada. And he said, but he insisted, even in that press release, in still calling them illegal wiretaps. And he was threatening to have me arrested back then for writing about these illegal wiretaps. Cause, you know, and it, it's just so, the whole thing, it just stinks to high heaven. And I would also argue that Cosby didn't admit to anything illegal in that deposition. He admitted quaaludes were legal. I mean, he said he gave drugs to women he wanted to have sex with. And the only things he, he just was very much enjoying being able to say whatever he wanted. But I think he may have believed, he had very good reason to think he wasn't going to be charged because he just found out that Bruce Castor was not going to charge him criminally. And he couldn't plead the fifth because he had given a statement to the police in that case. So he, he couldn't plead the fifth in this, um, in the depositions. And there was never anything in any of the transcripts from the depositions where this, this issue was even brought up. So I think he, you know, may just felt like he had just hadn't been charged so he could say what he wanted. But he didn't admit to doing anything illegal in there. And and isn't it isn't you, you mentioned this uh, in the uh, interview I heard also about normally with an immunity agreement, there is you get something. So it's like 
I'm going to give you immunity and now you're going to give up the other two uh, bank robbers or I'm going to give you immunity and you're going to tell me where the body is or you're going to tell me where the money is hidden. Uh, but there was no uh, trade uh, of information or anything with this immunity agreement, which would make it another kind of highly unusual quality to it. Sure. I mean, what did he get in exchange for it? Oh, Cosby's going to cooperate in the civil suit. I mean, you don't do that as yeah. a district attorney. Um, and also, again, they have this is there's a very good reason these have to be signed off on by judges because this is exactly how the wealthy, powerful get away with crimes because of these secret type deals that are made in the shadows of darkness. This exactly this thing um, that Castor later alleged he had done, but that's not the law. The law in Pennsylvania is they have to be signed off on by a judge, which is why this whole decision by the PA Supreme Court makes no sense. But I had watched oral arguments. They were um, on YouTube in December for this case because of COVID, and I, I would I was keep an eye on the case. So I decided to watch it and. I was shocked by how hostile the justices were to the, the prosecutors from Montgomery County. At one point, um, the, just, the chief justice just asked, her, asked Andrea and Jaffe a question and then walked away while she was in mid-sentence, and his camera shut down for the next 10 minutes. It was just his name on the screen. And then he came back and sat down like nothing had happened, and they were just aggressive and hostile, so I thought... Wow, they're they're totally going to rule for Cosby, but I thought it would be on the 404B issue. I didn't think it would be on this one because it's so absurd. Now, the 404B um, and, you know, issue, that's where they decide if prior acts are going to be more probative or prejudicial. That is, if I bring a bad guy in and this guy's been a bad guy for 20 years and I bring in all these other victims, uh, a court can say, okay, all of these other things notwithstanding, that doesn't really prove he did the thing in this case. And maybe if we go too far back and bring in too many bad stories from the past, it's unfair. That was what you thought of the 404B was what was going to cause the case to be reversed. But that's not what happened, right? Right, because, you know, they're allowed in to show a pattern of behavior, a common plan or scheme. And for the first trial, uh, the, the prosecution, because there are 60-some women accusing Cosby now, and I, and I always say known victims because I think there are many, many more who have not come forward. But um, for the first trial, the judge uh, only allowed one of the 13 that the prosecution wanted. In between the first and the second trial, there was a court decision, and so this time the DA asked for 19 of the women to be able to testify, and the judge allowed five. And, and said, but the, they had to only date back to 1982, which was like nine of the women, and he, the prosecution could pick which pick which ones. And so they, yes, they were allowed to testify to show this pattern of behavior, um, the exact mo that Cosby used with Andrea. You know, he goes to mentor someone, he seeks out their agent, and you know, Andrea was introduced to him by the donor for Temple. Cosby was on the board of trustees, and Andrea worked at Temple, and he a donor introduced them at a basketball game because um, Andrea worked for the Temple women's basketball team. Team and Cosby was a huge fan. And then he followed up with a phone call. And in his deposition, he talks about this whole predator versus prey thing. You know, Andrea viewed him as like he's 10 years older than her own father. She viewed him as a grandfather figure. And he said he had an eye on her romantically from the minute he met her. But of course, he didn't let her know because that's not what you do. And, you know, it's in my book, this whole, this whole predator versus prey thing. He said to lay out all the things he did to sort of draw her into his, you know, web um, until, boom, he got her. And it's it's just really horrifying. So, um, 
So, yeah, so these other women, they had the same sort of pattern. Um, they had He had called their agents and said he wanted to mentor them. And then he called them, and then he, he groomed them. He groomed their parents. And then when he got them in an environment he controlled, he drugged and sexually assaulted them and then discarded them. And he destroyed their careers afterward. Um, so many of them could have had wonderful, amazing careers, and he destroyed it. And this was not something they sought out. He sought them out. And 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 Cosby basically used his influence. And a lot of people don't realize, you know, they know him from TV. They know him from being a stand-up comedian. But he is extremely wealthy and extremely connected. So he could make that one phone call um, that could could wipe you out. I mean, very much like uh, Harvey Weinstein, right? I mean, a, a lot of parallels there. Right. And I always say, and I, you know, I, I'm only half joking. Um, I got laid off from People Magazine right after the case went to the jury for the first trial. And um, you know, I've been covering it and writing two or three stories a day. And I was noticing things like, you know, Cosby says he's blind, but I was, he was sitting next to his attorney and his attorney would write something on a legal pad. Cosby would look at it, nod, and then he'd write something. So I was putting all of this in my stories. And then lo and behold, you know, I'm all of a sudden I'm on the layoff list. Wow. Um, I literally got a, got an email, um, after the case went to the jury said, be available at noon tomorrow. Um, and, you know, that's when I found out I was laid off. So, and, and D.L. Hughley has this anecdote talking about, I think in the 90s when he was a, worked at a radio station and Cosby called in and he knew Cosby didn't like him because Cosby was always battling with these male black comedians who swore, um, and, uh, in their routines. And so at first D.L. didn't let on that he was on the phone and then, Cosby was being kind of a jerk, I guess, to the other host. So DL said something, and Cosby goes, "Is that you, DL?" And he said, "I don't like how you start saying the swearing thing." And DL goes, "You know what, man?" He said, "I may swear, but no girl ever woke up with her drawers on backwards after being drugged by me the next day, or something wow. like that." And he, <laughs> the next thing you know, said he tells this story a lot. People can Google it. Um, he gets somebody, the higher ups come downstairs, they take the tape of it, and they basically say, "This will never air." And that tape disappeared. And he's like, so I know he has the power to make things disappear. And he has that, he has that power with the media. I mean, that's, people don't realize celebrities wield a lot of power with the media. Um, they can control, they control the interviews. They decide what questions are asked. And if you don't, they don't like the questions you ask. And not only do you not get that, that client, um, on the, on your show again or in your paper or in your magazine, you won't get any of the other celebrities that they rep, that they represent. And, you know, celebrities sell magazines, celebrities sell advertising. So celebrities are ratings. So that's this whole way that, 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 Cosby especially was able to control the media for so many years. Have you had any pushback from social media now that he's released? Because some of the strange things that are going on, like with us, we're constantly getting warnings from YouTube and I can't even understand what I did wrong. They they just send me a link to their you know terms of service. But I could see them now saying like, this is cyberbullying by you because he is now innocent and you are still spreading this information about him. I mean, has anybody uh, had any trouble with posting any of your interviews online or anything? No, and no, you know, and the thing is, he was not exonerated. Right. Okay. It's not like they they came back and said, "Oh, you know, he was he was wrongfully convicted." This <laughs> right. Is, this is an exoneration. Yeah. You know, that, that's not it. I mean, they overturned the conviction and they based it on a faulty uh, legal decision. I right. mean, they just so that's the other thing too. But no, I'm pretty careful. You know, I'm very, very, you know, honest about how I feel about things. And it, sometimes I have to struggle to control my emotions because the tactics they use against people is so despicable. I don't know if you heard in that interview where, 
you know, one of the first interviews he did when he got out of prison was with this female reporter from CVS. And I was catching up on this like a week later, just watching some of the interviews I missed because it was so crazy after it happened. And and I love it. She said, oh, so we, Andrew White, his spokesman, brings her into his mansion that went outside Philly where he assaulted Andrea and then brings her upstairs to Cosby's bedroom. <laughs> and she interviewed without her camera. I can't I even believe him, it. Even I can't believe she this. Interview him. She has to interview him while he's lying in bed. Oh, my God. Without cameras. Wow. I mean, now, what is that all about? I mean, you would think would, just I like. Mean, first of all, would he have done that to a male reporter? Right. No, no, so no I way. I think it was. It, it's, he's emboldened. And I think he, there was some sick, sick reason for that because I felt for that woman. I mean, what do you do? I mean, you reveal it, which right. she did in her interview. But I mean, I felt I can't imagine what she was thinking when Andrew White. Yeah, you can interview him. Then he brings him up to his bedroom. Like, what the? You know? Yeah, you know, the recidivism rate among, you know, people that are off the deep end with sexually like like Cosby clearly is, is very high. And I, I wonder if he just won't be able to help himself and this is going to well, happen again and he's going to end up, you know, at some point, you know, get, getting his final justice, uh, actually getting tried again, maybe for some new crime. If not, some other woman comes forward from a crime that's still within the statute of limitations. Yeah, I mean, I, that's what I was predicting after I saw him do that with a reporter. I'm thinking, well, he's had three years. He was behind bars for almost three years where he couldn't get into his urges. So, you know, it could happen. It could, he could try it again and maybe this time he'll get caught. But any woman who just, who's stupid enough to be alone, don't do it. You know, just don't accept a drink from him. Don't, you know, just don't. Just if, I hope people, but he has so many fans out there. He has millions of followers who still believe he's Cliff Huxtable, who still believe he's innocent, that he will very likely find some naive person who just believes he is who she always thought he was. And um, it's it's scary as, as heck because, and I, I hope it doesn't happen. Um, I mean, there are some other possibilities for him being charged that I'm, I've heard about. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, he's been emboldened by this whole, Thing. I mean, once again, he proved he can control crim the criminal justice system with his power and his wealth. I don't know how he did it yet, but there's no way that decision made any legal sense whatsoever. Yeah, very tortured decision. Now, what do you make of this Bruce Castor? Um, he, he was trying to he was threatening you with jail. Um, you mentioned something about some real estate deal. Was it his father? was in on a real estate deal mm -hmm. or something. It, it sounds like he's either so politically, um, you know, he, he's trying to move up politically, ran for governor, I guess. Um, it's either that ambition or there might be some inappropriate connections. What was the connection you mentioned about his father in a real estate deal? The only thing, and this is back in 2005, and if anyone, you know, ever wants to see all those stories, they're on my website. Um the only connection I could find between the two of them is Bruce Castor's dad, who was also an attorney, had represented uh, the buyer who bought, who Cosby bought that house from where this happened. And he didn't disclose, it's not, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's just you have to disclose any potential conflicts of interest to lawyers in a case. And Castor disclosed it to Cosby's attorney, Walter Phillips Jr., but he did not disclose it to Andrea's attorneys. And so that's what that was all about. And, you know, Castor did have a reputation for trying to curry favor with 
those in power, but he was also, and I write about this in the book, he was a very, very good prosecutor. And I'd seen him get convictions on murder cases where they didn't even have the murder weapon. All they had was the imprint of a weapon in the holster. And we had had this case of this state trooper who was preying on women, Michael Evans. And all of these were delayed reporting cases. It was like teenagers or domestic violence victim. He was preying on on purpose because, you know, they always choose victims they think won't be believed. Um, and But yet they had gotten um, him to plead guilty to, uh, they were like, by the time the civil case came to it, there were like 30 women accusing that trooper. And they had 10 or 12 by, for the criminal case. And as a footnote to that, that guy got out of prison a couple of years ago. And within a few months, he was um, arrested again for something inappropriate with a teenage girl. And he's back in prison. So I had seen him. And, I, you know, he... <laughs> I found a quote I used from Castor in one of my stories for, about a drug-facilitated sexual assault case where Castor said, I believe using a drug to incapacitate someone to rape them is the same as using a weapon, a drug, you know, a knife or a gun. So all, every bit of reason to think he was going to jump all over this. And I thought he just loved getting his mug on TV. And what would get you your mug on TV more than, you know, the Bill Cosby case? But instead, it was the opposite. He, like, wanted nothing to do with it. He, he wasn't talking about it. He issued just this terse four-paragraph press release about three or four days after it broke, and his behavior during the whole thing was just odd, and it's remained odd to this very day. Yeah, you you wonder, and I mean, you just speculate, and you think, you know, maybe somebody was threatening him or something. I mean, who knows? I mean, because uh, it's no, not, it's no. not, it sounds like I he know. sounds like he's like an aggressive prosecutor and just made an exception. This is what people hate when there is this idea of two sets of laws, you know, one for the regular people and then one for the the famous people. And especially in this case, how un- unusual it was. In this, is there a chance that maybe the Supreme Court could look at this case? Because it seems to me like all anyone in Pennsylvania can now claim that they had some kind of an unwritten deal and try to use this to get out of jail. And that's the sad thing about this and the scary thing about it. And I know they're looking at whether to appeal um, because, you know, the ripple effect of this, like Ghislaine Maxwell, Jeffrey Epstein, the accomplice, right. uh, her, her lawyers wrote a letter to the judge the week after this saying, hey, she should be released, too, because she was given immunity from prosecution. However... That case, what, what, what that was about, there was an actual non-prosecution agreement for Epstein in Florida that was in writing and was signed off on by a judge, and um, so, which is different in this case because this was not in writing and it was not signed off on by a judge. But the judges had already ruled on that, that that only applied in Florida and not in New York. However, um, you know, they're going to try. So I think they, you know, the prosecution, they have to at least try because, of course, the U.S. Supreme Court does not hear every case, but it's a due process issue, but they hear issues, they hear cases where the issues are applicable to other cases or important for other cases. Um, And that's why, again, on the the other women issue, 404B women, there's actually a lot of varying decisions on um, how many is too many other accusers to allow to testify. So that's why they're, you know, I was thinking they would rule on that to give some clarity because the judge was really looking. He's like, how, how many is too many of these? How far back can these claims go? I mean, there's still a lot of uncertainty on how many uh, people like that you can allow to testify. And that could have been something, again, the Supreme Court would want to address. But yeah, I, I hope they do. I hope they do appeal because this has, could have a very, very bad effect and, you know, the sad thing is it doesn't affect people like you and I. It affects, 
you know, the, it helps the powerful and the wealthy escape justice. It doesn't help the average defendant who gets arrested. And, you know, I know a guy who's been in jail for 25 years now for a murder he didn't commit. And the DA's office in Philly actually thinks he's innocent. They've been saying this for years. He's still sitting in prison. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that 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 sounds yeah, like. Yeah, that's what normally happens. You don't get a jet, get right. out of jail free card right. immediately, and you can't try me again. I mean, there were so many unusual things about this decision that just reeks of some kind of secret deal. One other thing I wanted to touch on before we let you go is um, what a lot of people don't realize is these women that met up with Cosby and they were drugged and they the allegation is they were drugged and they didn't know they were being drugged his story is they freely took the drugs that he gave them in some cases they did but they thought they were taking they didn't know they were taking something that would knock them out but some of the stories that you have shared like one woman ended up like she didn't know what happened to her other than that she woke up in her car having driven herself home mm-hmm. drugged others have were unconscious for like more than one or two days. Tell us about some of that 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 happened to these women. This was not just like uh, an encounter, if it's not bad enough, the sexual assault. But these women, they could have died from these drugs they were given right. separately. Right. And there were there were a couple of things. Um, a few, like Andrew, he told her was herbal medication because she doesn't even take prescription medication. Others, he like Tamara Green, he said it was a contact. She was very sick. Uh, she was very sick. Shaylan Lasha told her it was, she was very sick. He told her it was a cold pill. Um, and she was a teenager. People don't realize how many of his victims were teenagers or barely out of his teens. And yes, and then some women, he like, he really like with Becky Cooper, the one you're just talking about, he basically almost forced her to drink um, a drink and it was a shot. And that's all it was, was a shot. I was supposed to be supposedly of Stoli. And that's the one who was knocked out for two days. And there are others. And Lisa Lublin, who's one of the five women who testified, she completely blacked out after he gave her what. And it's some of them he would say, oh, if you want to be an actress, you got to pretend you got to pretend you're drinking. And I know you're not a drinker, but you have to have a little bit. But so pretend you're drinking. So that's another ruse he would use, like he did with Heidi Thomas, to get her to drink. And she was in and out of consciousness for that entire weekend. Um, she's another one where he went to her modeling agency and said he wanted to mentor her and then talk to her parents and, and talk to her and groomed her. So, yeah, that's what's the frightening thing. Um, you know, Becky said she woke up, uh, she got in her bed two days later, didn't remember driving home. Her roommates found her passed out in her car and that they got her into the house and they kept checking on her the next couple of days to see, make sure she was breathing. So how, what is he giving them that that little amount could knock you out for that long a period of time? And I was talking to one toxicologist who thought it sounded like fentanyl. Wow. And, um, right. And then I'm thinking, so, you know, and some of these women, it might have been GHB because some reported throwing up afterward, and that's something that happens with GHB. But yeah, how does, how does he know they're not allergic to Right. Or, or that they're on some other medication? They could be on another medication yeah. that could interact with, they could be someone with, with a heart problem. I mean, all these other variables, it's amazing that no one died. I mean, as far as we know, no one died. Has anyone ever investigated the source of these drugs? Like who was the provider to Cosby of these drugs? Oh. Well, Cosby said he got him from uh, Dr. Amar, uh, who was a gynecologist. Uh, he got him for his back pain, the quaaludes. But here's another thing. like That's the whole reason Gianna Constant, Andrea's mother, wanted to talk to Cosby after Andrea woke up 
screaming and crying from a nightmare again. She calls her mom, who's on her way to work, and finally tells her what happened, what Cosby did to her. And when when they're talking about it that night, and she she really, she was worried because she noticed Andrea had come home. She'd come back to live with them. She was going to massage therapy school, but she was pale. She was screaming in her sleep at night. She wasn't the same person as when she left, and she was losing all this weight. So she noticed a dramatic change in her daughter, but didn't know why until Andrea told her. So that's why Gianna wanted to talk to Cosby, and she told Andrea, if you don't give me his number, I will go fly and I will find him. She wanted to know what drug he gave her because she thought maybe that's also what was contributing to Andrea. And she, when she, they, when he left, she left a message from him and called back. She says to him, you know, what did you give my daughter? What did you give my daughter? And she goes, how did you know he, how did you know she was going to wake up? Why didn't you call 911? I mean, any, what any mother would think, like, oh my God, like, what, how did you, how could you give my daughter something? How did you know you wouldn't kill her, basically? And then there was that bizarre call where he talks to her mother and calls her mom, where he refers yes. to her as mom. And then he goes into this presentation yes. about money for college, but she has to maintain yes. a B average. And I was listening to that. I'm thinking to myself, yes. how does this guy put like on this? Uh, this hat of philanthropy again, like somehow, well, I'm going to give money for college, but you know, there's going to be a minimum of a 3.0 grade point average. And I'm thinking to myself, what world is this guy coming from that you sexually assault someone and drug them? And then you, you call and talk to their mother as mom. Uh, and he's probably older than her mother, uh, A and B just to, to have that tone of like somehow he's a family friend, mom. Uh, she's going to have to maintain a 3.0. That to me is just like off the charts, uh, psychopath, sociopath, whatever you want to call it. Right. And he's all about control, too. But I think that he had, you know, he's uh, this is a well-oiled machine that kicked into place once Andrea went to the police, because then Cosby talks to her, to, her, to the mom after well, after she calls her. And then the lawyer calls and wants her to, because uh, she's supposed to, to start dr- dr- doing the paperwork um, about this uh, scholarship agreement. And then um, so when his agents calls, because they're going to want, they want to fly her and her mom to Miami to talk about this. And Andrea's attorneys that she'd gotten them were like, no way, because they figured they were trying to get her to cross, you know, state lines and country lines so they could have her, like, arrested for extortion like it happened with Autumn, um, oh, whatever her name was, Autumn Jackson, his may or may not biological daughter. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, there were just, it was a very well-oiled machine, and I, I'm sure there are many other recipients of this, you know, educational fund from Bill Cosby for many years. But you better keep that three point. You better keep that three point oh. Right. Uh, or or the well, money. Yeah, you still got to be in control. Yeah, the money's yeah, going to dry you up. Still got to be in control. Now, Nikki, what's next for you? Is there going to be an update to the book? Is there going to be a new book? Uh, you know, are they coming after you at all? Uh, threatening lawsuits or anything? Knock on wood, not so far. <laughs> um, no, I, my second book just came out in June. Um, I co-authored with the subjects of the book, which is another equally outrageous case. It's called Victim F. Um, a woman was kidnapped and um, raped and held for two days. And when she was released, the police held a news conference and called the whole thing a hoax. And she was called the real life gone girl in headlines across the world. And it's just. Is it's that a podcast? There. I've but, seen that somewhere. Is that now a podcast? Um, no, it's. No, not yet. It's uh, the book just came out June eighth. Okay, and so, is that is that gonna... uh, is is um is that also on Real Crime Profile? Are they talking about that? Yes. 
That's yes. that's where yeah. I saw it. I saw it on the episode list. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh, I would love to have you yeah. uh, on my producers listening in the other room. I'd love to, you know, have you come back in a few weeks and tell us about that case. That sounds absolutely fascinating. And this this other case you mentioned okay. about the um, the individual that's that's not guilty, but being held on murder charges. Uh, is that a book you're working on also? No, I'm trying to figure out what to do with that um, because there, this is a Philadelphia case and there's uh, there, there are a bunch of detectives there that, that were just doing this to a lot of people during this period of time. So I'm trying to figure that out. I'm working on a book proposal on another case for another book that I, I think would also you know, be co-authoring um, with the subjects of the book because you know this is their lives and... You know, co-authoring is a different way to tell their stories. Um, yeah, but yeah, and I've got some spin-off projects from the Chasing Cosby book that I'm working on now that I hope will come to fruition. And what is so. the website for people that want to follow your daily blogs and all of that? Yeah, and actually, I have got to start right now. I actually started looking to do a blog or something to try to track some of this stuff. Um, NikkiEgan.com, N-I-C-K-I-E-G-A-N is in Nancy.com. Or Thank you so much for being here. You're, you know, you're, you're a, a voice for all of these women and, and for people that are not getting what's going on here. When you, you talk about a man that for decades has done this to women and then you see these women watch him get away with this. This has got to be destroy your soul if you're a victim of Cosby and not to mention all the other victims out there of other men that may not ever come forward now because of what Cosby has done uh that you've you've got to keep going it's 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 God's work oh I'm not stopping now um and yeah so I would encourage people to read the book there's a lot in there that has not been out in the public and there was a podcast made of my book um we did it with all the real survivors 16 of the survivors chasing Cosby it's the podcast, and um, on Real Crime Profile, they did like s- several episodes with me when the podcast came out last year, and then Tamara Green was another accuser was on two of them. So that's why Jim and Laura had me back on in the midst of Victim Aft to talk about Ch- Cosby, because that happened in the interim, and um, they're going to have me on in a week or two for Victim Aft as well. But um, yeah, I just, you know, I encourage people before you form an opinion about anything, anything to do with this case, just do some research because there's a lot of misinformation out there. Absolutely. Thank you so much, ma'am. It's good to have you with us and we'll look forward to uh, having you back again. Wow. That just takes my breath away when you think about that. And it just goes to show you how many times the public image of someone is not the same as, as who they really are. And I can just tell you from being on a lot of big TV shows myself over the years that most of the, uh, Let me just say a lot of the Christian personalities that you see on different TV shows are not those people. They're not the same people. And I'm not saying they're murderers or rapists or anything like that. I'm just saying that the public image that someone can portray on television is so different so many times than what these people are really like. And this case with Bill Cosby is just like like exhibit A of that. And this just makes me sick uh, to think about this just unusual uh, torture decision made by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court to let him out of prison. Wow. Just so many people destroyed. And uh, and he he walks free and he's not exonerated, as she said, which is so important for people to understand. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed tonight's broadcast. 
a lot of information from a lot of different directions, but uh, it's all information that uh, is good for you to hear. And if you have a woman in your life, which we all do, a wife, a mother, a daughter, a sister, an aunt, uh, you know, take steps to have them take a women's self-defense course to learn about situational awareness and how to defend themselves and how to avoid uh, situations like this. Uh, never blaming the victim, of course, but simply saying we've got to do more in our society to protect women. And when people do things like this, they need to be held accountable. Thanks so much for joining us. God bless. Remember, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. Thanks for joining us. So long, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>